Hello and welcome to Faith, Family, and Sports, the show focusing on Christian athletes, coaches, and officials. I'm your host, Brad Loveless. I want to thank you for listening in today, and I pray that God uses this episode to in some way glorify Himself. I'm excited to see where God is leading us today. I have some great news to report today. I've received an email from podcast.com that informed me that last week, this podcast ranked 133rd of all podcasts in this category. God is really growing and using this podcast. I want to thank all, all my guests who have been willing to share their life with us on here. I also want to thank our loyal listeners. Thank you for listening and helping to share this podcast with your family and friends. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, and I'm so thankful and glad that he is able and willing to come and be a part of today's episode. He's a very busy man. It's taken us a couple weeks to get together, but I'm so glad we're able to make it happen today. He's an Ozarks native. His grandfather was a postman. His father was a dentist right here in Southern Missouri. He is a small business owner, a high school coach. He is the 155th district of the Missouri House state representative, but most of all, he's a firm believer in Jesus our Savior. Travis Smith, welcome to Faith, Family, and Sports. Brad, thank you so much for having me here. You know, you and I, we are talking about journeys and stuff and how being involved with politics, you were like one of the very first people I ever talked to. And the neatest thing about this job is you make new friends, and it's like there's, there's this chemistry when you talk to people right first and you know who real people are. And that's one of the greatest things about being over here in Douglas County. I said, there's not the country club types. Everybody's real. Yeah. And, and you don't, you don't have to kiss up to anybody. It's just, everybody's hardworking and they're Christian folks. And it's like the easiest district to serve because everybody's so real. Well, it's great to be representing people of who you are. Amen. That's what makes it easy is when you, the people you represent, your representation of them. You know, you're part of them. You're not something fake or trying to be something that you're not. Amen. And, and that's one thing, too. It's like and one thing I've learned. It's very easy to do that because really as a representative, what you're, sometimes your own views really shouldn't matter. It's the views of what your constituents are. Right. But in this case, everything lines up. When I was knocking door to door, the first question I always got asked was not, are you Republican? Not, are you Democrat? Not where you stand on guns, but are you a Christian? Yeah. And that way, and it was like, it, everything fell into place after that. Well, the first thing's first, right? Right. And then because they know if you're a Christian, you're going to do the right thing 95% of the time. Yeah. You're, and, you know, as Christians, we do make mistakes. Of that's course. Why you yeah. that 5% in there. <laughs> yes, that's right. So, Travis, just fill our listeners in on just a little bit about who you are outside of Jefferson City. Who, who is Travis Smith? What do you like to do? My, well, my biggest hobby, of course, I love an out, being an outdoorsman. That, that I always take off for turkey season. You know, some guys take vacations to Mexico and stuff. It drives my wife crazy because I'm like, we don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> Everything we need is right here. We've got the river. We've got the hills. We've got great turkey hunting. We've got great deer hunting. I'm going to leave this weekend, go to South Dakota, do some pheasant hunting. Yeah. So I, outdoorsman is the key. But m- my biggest thing has always been about service. And there's an old saying that he has given much, much is expected. Yes. And I've always, you know, I was very fortunate to have some help from my family, but it wasn't one of those deals where I just, hey, I'm going to sit back. I, I want to take what I was given and make 10 times more and then turn around 
and help anybody I could. Because, you know, the, the true test of a character or man of character is how they help people who can't help themselves. Yes, I agree. Travis, it's great to have you. And, and I'm excited for our listeners to get to know you just a little better. How long have you been in Jefferson City as our state rep? This will make coming up year three. And because of term limits now, Brad, what they do is you run every two years. And so you've got a limit of eight years you can be up there. So next year I'll be considered a sophomore. And one thing that's strange about Jeff City, it's just like going back to school. There's clicks? Yeah, no, well, not only clicks. Do they haze you? Yeah, there's not much hazing. But the the thing is, like, this year, last year, I was considered a freshman. Yeah. Okay, next year I'll be a sophomore. You have assigned seating. You can't just talk whenever you want to. You have, you have to, to raise your hand. Yeah. And it's when you get in trouble, instead of going into the principal's office, you have to go in the speaker's office. Oh, right? no. So no. If yeah. you get gone in the speaker's office, you're like, oh, no, what have I done? Fortunately, <laughs> I haven't had any places where I've gotten in trouble yet. So I've been Well, really that's good. good. Yeah, yeah, I've been really good with that. You've been minding your P's and your Q's. Yes, yeah. yes. And that's another thing up there. What I want to do is go up there and be a sponge and learn. Yeah. I, I'm amazed. You get up there and everybody thinks they're an expert on so many things. And there's so many of them that talk all the time, but they don't say anything. Yeah. You know, you just know, rattling. Just rattling. Yeah. And they try to act like they know what they're talking about. So I've been trying to just absorb it and take care of people. That's what I tried to do. So how many representatives are there on the floor? 164. 164. <laughs> Excuse me, 163. 163. Okay, and now, and it doesn't always mean that's how many are there. Because, like, for instance, there was two people that dropped out last time. Is somebody, they quit? Or, yes. They, crazy. I meant people taking advantage of the system. They had to be there one day for their last year, and they got eight years worth of credit for retirement. Oh, see, I don't see, like yeah, that stuff. No, that that's, that you're, you're up there. I mean, that's fraud. Yeah, and you're representing people, and then those people don't have any representation yeah. for the rest of the time. But the there's supposed year. to be 163. But what does factor in is in order for a bill to be passed, you have to have 84 votes. That's the magic number. Gotcha. So, so, so it has to be at least 84 people that vote on a certain whatever yes, for it to pass. You've got to have 84 because that's... No matter what the majority is. Exactly. You, know, you have to have at least 84. And there's, there's been times, too, like I've been the last one to press that button, you know, yeah. because like at the tax credit. And that's how you vote. That's how you vote. It's kind of like a game show. Yeah. You, you got a buttons <laughs> that you push. Yes. And, and, what, and here's what drives me crazy. You either push yes or no. There are some representatives, they'll be wishy-washy, and they can press a button that's yellow that says present. Well, to me, that you're not doing anything. Right. You, you take You're not take, taking a stand on nothing. Take a stand yeah. and go from it and stuff. And, and my biggest thing is I always want, if I vote on something, I want to get, be able to go into Dora, to Ava, and sit at the coffee place and explain why I did. Right. Because I've always told myself, if you can't explain why you voted a certain way back home, probably need to vote against that. Yeah, you know, for sure. Just, yeah, I just yeah. make sure. And, and there's a lot of times, too, you, there's so much information anymore on Facebook and social oh, media. Oh, yeah. And, and what I tell everybody, I don't get legal advice from Facebook. <laughs> I don't get medical advice from Facebook. That's, for, get, that's for YouTube. Yeah, 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 but yeah YouTube. But, but just it, be careful about where your political advice comes from. Yeah. Because there's so much misinformation out there. Too. Well, you know, there's so much... You know, even in my office, there's so much 
that's behind the scenes that people don't know are here. Like they just see the face value of what's going on, but they don't really know the reason why, you know, or or, or what's going on behind the scenes as to why this is necessary or not necessary. Well, and, and you know as well as I do, you, the biggest thing that you have to deal with are, is your roads and infrastructure. Yeah. And everybody thinks, hey, why is my road not coming up? One of the things I liked about you when you were running, you said you're going to actually have a timeline so people yeah. have a good idea. And that's w- what I found is. You, you don't necessarily always have the ability to solve every problem, but you got to communicate with people. There's nothing that makes people more frustrated than not being able to communicate. And, and what I tell everybody, if you've got a problem with the state of Missouri, call my office. Don't call DOT. Don't call Department of right. Revenue because you're going to be on hold for 45 minutes. At and, least. And yeah. yeah <laughs> and, and, the, and the people who are working there, Brad, they're working very hard. There's just not many people working. It doesn't matter what industry it is. Yeah. So I just say. But if they're like, my, if they're anything like the problems I've been facing as a business owner or as a county commissioner, you can't get nobody hired. Amen. There's just nobody. I mean, everybody that wants to work is working. Yes. <laughs> and, and so that that's why I say just call the office and I can walk over the Truman Building and help out with whatever problem you got. That's 95% of it. You know, before I got in politics, it was like, yeah, I thought it was this big debate system and stuff. Yeah. It's not. It's, it's just not. taking care of just people. Just trying to help your people. That's it. That's it. I, I bet you have a hundred crazy stories from the house floor, but what is one that just makes you shake your head and giggle a little? Well, I, I remember being from rural Missouri. I, I mean, even though I went to Mizzou, I even lived in Atlanta, I've seen that side world, but I just didn't realize I've been here so long how strange some of the things that are important to people. For instance, they don't address us by our name. And it's a good thing because your name doesn't matter. Right. Like, You're a representative. That's it. I'm the gentleman from Douglas County. Senator Esslinger is the lady from Ozark County. Very first day up there, somebody said, we've got to get rid of saying gentleman or lady because sooner than later, we're going to have a rep that's neither a lady nor a gentleman. Oh. And I said, what? <laughs> and, I was, and I did that. I was like... That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And they're like, you can't say that stuff. I said, somebody needs to say that stuff on the floor. Right. Because, because there's such a push to go so far left. And it just makes no sense. You, well, what I, from my standpoint and from what I've seen is that they go as far left as they can push it just to drag the right a little to the left. Amen. You know, if, if they can get you to come and meet them just a little bit that way, they, they've won. I, and it's it just like, and they get so frustrated over things we can't control. Like, for instance, men and female sports. Oh, yeah. As a coach, that's a no-brainer. Right. You know, it, it just shouldn't happen. And their argument is, you know, there's some people that are born with both parts. Wait. We have yes. no problem with that. Yeah. It, it, it's the dude who dresses up like a gal and scores well, 45 points in a basketball game or beats everybody in the 100-meter dash. So here's my thought on it, and this may not be the, the, the winning ticket, but instead of having two bathrooms, put in a third bathroom for them. Well, you know, I, that, or the same thing with the, have their own league. I, I of, have their own league. I yeah. totally get it. Because, I, you know, I'm not against them playing. If, that's, you know, if they want to play basketball or whatever, sure, but it should be – they shouldn't get a competitive edge because they were born natural male, for sure. And, and as a coach, you always, or at least I did, and most successful coaches are always say, play against the best level of competition you can. If you're a male and you want to compete 
against females to be successful, you're not a competitor. No, you're 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 wanting to win. That's you, all. It's you, you, you may know, as well be play. A, you may as well play a game of uh, uh, tackle football with fourth graders. Well, it's like yeah. I, I heard uh, I heard of some some youth baseball teams that would go to the Dominican Republic. And, and places in Cuba and pick up these kids that are like 16, 17 years old and come back because they're small guys, but they would come back and play them on like a 12U team and actually dominate, but they're playing with 16-year-olds. You know, it's the same It's the same thing. They're, they have a competitive edge because of who, what their natural age is or what their natural and chemistry it's, it's is. It's cheating. I mean, we, we all saw that stuff with the walleyes. Yes, oh, yeah. I mean, oh, my gosh. People get mad when you cheat. Yeah. You always need to have a fair playing field. And that's all we're asking for is have a fair playing field. Well, sure. Field. Yeah. You know? I mean, and I mean, how long did we fight for women's rights? And then here we are just throwing them away. Title IX. Yeah. That's what Title IX was all about was basically saying you can't spend any more money on men's sports than you can women. It protected women. And now we're doing just the opposite of that. Yeah. I mean, there are states in Ohio and Texas where... Guys have gone and gone in track and field, especially the sprints. And these girls are getting scholarships taken away because they didn't yeah, win the state. Because they're not winning. Yeah. yeah, and that just that that just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Right. Yeah, and it's yeah. You know, we were setting these these school quote school records. Yeah, it's not know, a record. It's not a record because yeah. it's held, it's a man and a woman hey, sport. Amen. Amen. So, Anyway, let's switch a little. Okay, okay, okay. In what ways are you are you able to represent Christ on the house floor? How you treat people? How you treat? Yeah, that's yeah, a good I mean, it, uh, just like the crazy talk that we hear, I never get up and just say you're crazy or you're. I, I, I try to be empathetic and listen because if you really want to change hearts and minds, it's all about how you treat people and stuff. And I. I try very hard to be empathetic and listen to everyone's story. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm talking to some of my friends on the left, it gets to be a little difficult. <laughs> but but I still want to listen to what they have to say. And Christ always taught us, you know, our, our job in life is to serve others. It's not about you. Sure. But one of my favorite stories, John Battaglia, he is a professor at Evangel. He is one of the spiritual leaders up there. And the good thing that people like to know is there are a lot of Christians in Jefferson City. Yeah. Okay? A lot of study groups. And John came in my office and he said, Travis, who's the governor? Mike Parson. Who's lieutenant governor? Mike Eagle. So I go through all this elected officials. And then John said, now tell me one person who's a staffer. And I didn't know. And I was ashamed. Yeah. And he said, don't, first of all, don't be ashamed. Everybody's like that. But he said, if you really want to make a difference up here, get to know the staff. All those people that you just mentioned will be gone in four years because of term limits. The staff, they've been here for 30 years. They've got all the institutional knowledge. Brad, there are people, I always thought, oh my gosh, how do you get these bills written and stuff? There are super highly intelligent people that just love government. And they're not basically Republicans or Democrats. They just want to do what's best. Right. These are lawyers who could be out there in the corporate world making six figures down in the basement of the Capitol writing legislation. And they're in a three foot by three foot cubicle. You know, most of the reps will say, hey, come up to my office, you know. Yeah. I found out you go to them and especially, you know, bring a soda, bring a cookie or something. Oh, so yeah. So you care about them, you get all sorts of things done. So so basically, well, as far as serving Christ, that that's just like 
That's what Jesus said. He said that that's how the rest of the world will know us as disciples. It's how that we love one another. Hey, and take care of you. Yeah. And there's an old saying. We'll talk about this what, about my mentor later. But we have an old acronym I used to use when I was coaching. Team. Together, everybody achieves more. And it's amazing how much stuff can get done if you don't care who gets the credit. And Jeff City's a terrible town for everybody wanting to Everybody wants the credit. I passed this yeah. bill. I mean, I've, there's been seven or eight bills where eight or nine people said that was my bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They contributed right. to it a little bit, but it wasn't just their bill. Right. And, and, and even if you wrote the entire bill by yourself, it's not your bill because you still had to have your colleagues vote for it. It's everybody's bill. Right, so. and ultimately, it's the people of Missouri's bill. That's exactly the people that elected you to your, just, your position. Just like I never say my office, I say your office. Yeah, you know, I people come to my office, come to the office all the time because yeah. it's their office. It's well, I, and I've been up there several times, and I've never, you know, it's always welcoming. You know, yeah. your staff is always welcoming. They say, "Well, have a seat. You want anything to drink? And, I, I'll get Travis on the phone. Do you need? You know, and, and you so, should be yeah. and stuff. And, and I call talking about Jesus. I also call. My philosophy of politics, what I call retail politics, and that basically means I run the office like it's a business. Yeah. And my business is to take care of my constituents, because if I take care of my constituents, they keep coming back. Sure. And that's what we. And nothing gives me more satisfaction to have somebody, especially like an elderly person, said, "You've restored my faith in politics." Yeah. Because we are, we try so hard to call people, call people back. Talk to him. There was one gentleman. He didn't. Who lived up here in Douglas County? He does not have electricity. He doesn't have a cell phone. I drove to his house. Yeah. He was writing me. He was letter. writing you snail mail letter. Yeah, he was, <laughs> and I was like, and he was really upset because I didn't answer it. But he didn't realize we hadn't been up there in a month. So I actually got on the map and drove to his house and went out there and talked to him. Yeah. I want people to know that I care. No, that's good. So how long have you been a Christian, Travis? All my whole life. Your whole I life. A, basically, I remember my grandmother. Uh, sweet lady, her name was Sybil Smith. You know, you said that about uh, Grandpa being a postman. Uh -huh. Sybil just helped raise us. And we were always going to Baptist Church. That was the big thing. And right. then, then when I got a little older, in my teens, I started going to the Episcopal Church in West Plains. Uh -huh. And there was a time in my life for about four years, I went to Mass every day. You know, now I yeah. missed like sometimes on a Thursday or Friday. Sure. But w one of my first ever memories of like God answering a prayer. I was sitting there, I was 14 years old. I was like, I knew I had to be at basketball practice. I'm like, why am I doing this every day? What, what's in it for me? Which is selfish, which yeah, shouldn't be yeah. as Christian. But it wasn't 10 minutes later, somebody came from the quill and the Episcopal Church had the oldest organ west of the Mississippi. Oh. And they were taking a picture and she's like, would you like to be in the picture? And it was like God sitting there saying, all right, I'm going to give you a little recognition for being here. Yeah. You know? And so, and I, so that's when I know, I mean, prayers were answered. And I can't tell you how many times I get emails or phone calls and stuff about people saying, I'm praying for you. I can feel that stuff. Yeah. My, my son talks about that. I can feel when people are praying. I, you know, I definitely can. You know, I feel... You know, especially after I've had a rough day, you know, I've just, you know, constituents beat you up. Yes. And, uh, you know, you've had one of those days. And I feel, you know, I can fight a lot in my pasture and some other good Christian men. And and I know when those people pray for me, the next day is going to be better. Yeah. You know, yes. and it always is. Well, and I talked to one of my buddies, Brett, and when I said, have you ever noticed when you're not living right, things seem to start going wrong? 
And it, that, there's something to yes. be said about living the right way because it just makes life easier. Well, you know? for sure, yeah. And you know, and I've said it a thousand times, and I, I, I probably people get tired of hearing me saying this, but I always liken it to my walk of with Christ is like a, a lifeboat or a raft tied to a dock. And, you know, and that's how my walk with God has always been. And that rope that ties you there is the Holy Spirit, and I just constantly drifting out and pulling myself back, and drifting out and pulling myself back. And uh, but the you know, rope, the way it's nice to know the rope is there. That's right. As long as you know that you can reach out and grab a hold of that and pull yourself back into safety and comfort and peace and joy and and all the fruits of the spirit, you know. And it's uh, it's so hard in this world to do the oh woe is me stuff. And really, I, I tell this. I, I know some people are worried about America. I'm worried about America. But we still live in the greatest country in the world, and we still, by far, Missouri is one of the best states. Oh, we, yeah. We've got it made here. Yeah, no, we, we really do. We do. And, and I say it all the time, you know, we're sheltered from a lot of the things that the rest of even the United States is dealing with, you know, the West Coast and the East Coast and, and some of the Northern states. And then, of course, you got the Southern states being flooded by government policies by foreigners. And, you know, that's but here in Missouri, things really haven't changed here in a decade. You no. know, it's as far as. <laughs> John, John Mellencamp said it best. He goes, the great Midwest, he goes, we're either five years ahead of our time or 25 behind. Yeah. I just, but because everything goes around in circles and it's, stuff. But, the, and the neat thing about living here in the Ozarks is we're self-sufficient people. We are. Yeah. You know, people, most people here still know how to grow a garden. They yes. still know how to tan a hide or, you know, a lot of people, especially in our neck of the woods here, can really get by without any. Go hunting. Yeah. 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 You would be amazed. God bless their heart. Some of the reps from St. Louis and Kansas City, like one of them actually thought that like cows are recyclable. Like you, you cut a little piece of the cow off. And, and it grow back. <laughs> get the meat. That's some of the stuff we hear and we're like, it does not work like that. It does, they have no concept on, on, on where food is grown or where it comes yeah. from. You know? Any, yeah, yeah, I would just well, I always say, especially like if I'm at a hotel and I see someone with their own pillow, I, I always tell my wife, I said, that person, if it's a apocalyptic event, two days. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know, go with that's your own pillow. And there's a, I know there's people listening going, well, I've got a special allergic pillow. Good enough. Good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry if I made them, but I'm just like, yeah. you've got two days during yeah. the apocalypse. That's you know? true. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, what sports have you coached? I, I did cross country, and I did football, and I did track. Well, all and, the best ones. Oh, yeah, and it was just like, it, what was so crazy is that my father, starting from the time I was like a junior in high school, said, you got to coach, you got to coach, you got to coach. And for some reason, I felt like I had to prove myself as a businessman. Yeah. And I had three mailbots, et cetera, franchise, I was on the road. Then he up and died. And I remember feeling his forehead and it was cold. Mm. And I was like, I regretted so much. I, I'm like, I got to go into coaching. That's what I'm supposed to do. And and that's the only regret I've ever had about coaching is he never got to see me coach. Uh, and he, and he would have really liked it. And yeah. I, I was really, I learned so quickly that just like this job and coaching, it's not one size fits all. You know, one kid, I, I might be in their face and say, you got to do this better, and, right. you know, raise my voice. And then another kid, I've got an arm on. Some people need constructive criticism and some people need slapped around criticism. Yeah, yeah, and, you know? and, and the number one thing is they've, 
there's an old thing called Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and there's a base meaning like food and water at the end. Yeah. My very first year, I, this kid Clay Smith was his name, six six. I'm at Mizzou was calling about him because he just had a lot of size. And it was in the middle of summer, and I grabbed his jersey and I was just shaking him and talking to him about the way to block and stuff. I'm like, Clay, have you heard a word I said? And without hesitation, all of a sudden the wind started blowing. He's like. That brace feels good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I realized right there, if your players aren't rested and hydrated, there's not a learning curve. Right. And, and the same thing goes for whether you're a boss, whether you're a representative, whether you're a commissioner. It, you've got to, there's a time and place to have conversations about stuff. Right. You know? Yes. And it's it, it just like, take care of the, my, my mentor used to say, take care of the little stuff and the big things take care of themselves. That's right. That, that was is it. right, yeah. You know, you, you can lead a big horse by just a little rope. Yeah, you know? yeah, or think about a bull yeah. with, with a yeah. ring. I mean, you're talking about a 2,500-pound animal that's got yeah. a little ring in his nose. Well, I, my grandpa used to talk, talk about a bull. He had, he said he'd seen a little bee put a 2,000-pound 2000 bull through a six-strain fence with just a little bee. I, so. Oh, that makes <laughs> sense. I love that analogy. So you had a great mentor in coaching. And I've heard you quote him quite often. Tell us a little bit about him. Well, I, I had two. The first was Greg Simpkins. And I look back at Greg Simpkins because I came to him and said, I want to be a coach. And ironically, he said, okay. Because most <laughs> people, when they're going through a, a life-changing thing, you know, they, they want to try it for a while. And I guarantee in Simpkins' mind, he probably thought, this guy will do it for three weeks and quit. Yeah. But I went all in. I was like, I'll watch jocks and socks, whatever. Yeah. You know, I, I did everything for that football program. And and then later on, Joe Bill Dixon, who was my coach, and I still respected him from my days of running for him. I mean, he was one of those intimidating type guys. And during the middle of a football practice, we were in the off season, he's like, Coach Smith. And I was like, oh no, what I do to <laughs> Coach Dixon? He goes, come here. And he said, that's the first time in 20 some odd years I had the football kids say something positive to my cross country kids. I want you to start working track. And so I worked under both those guys, and they were super, to this day, great Christian men. And they just showed me so much about how to take care of people. They're like my dad, you know, you, right. lose, you lose your dad, and it's like, they, they, they kind of like took over that role in my life. And they were both good, they had two totally different philosophies on how to do stuff, but they also had me make my own mistakes and then learn from those mistakes. You know, they, right. weren't, they weren't in your grill all the time. Right. Sim Simpkins was very much an A-type personality. I had to have my whole practice lined out. And what, what time I was doing this. So he helped me with organized. And then Dixon was like, hey, what are you doing today? And I was so used to being with Simpkins and said, what do you want me to do? And he goes, I didn't hire you to be a yes man. And so Simpkins taught me to be organized. Dixon taught me to be a problem solver. Yeah, and so it was nice to have two so different guys two, like that. Yeah, yeah two, two different types of spearheads. That yes, that, and that just ha how they changed it made you different. So, what's a memorable moment you had coaching? Oh my gosh, that, there were so many. I, I remember though when you coach your uh, all these kids were like my kids, but when you actually coach your own biological kid, I look back now and poor Eli, my youngest. I I was so hard on him. <laughs> No, because I didn't want anybody to feel like I was. You just do treating better. Yeah. Yeah, and we had a one thing I learned with my sprinters. We were in the four A level. There was no way that anybody 
was going to do good in the 100 and 200 because they were running against Ezekiel Elliott type. Right. to state. Yeah. I, I meant, so I said, if you guys really want to be all state athletes, you run the 400 or the 800. Okay. Now, Jimmy Miller since proved that wrong, West Plains, but that's totally, <laughs> Miller's a once in a lifetime kid. But in the four by four, when you get to state, all those relays, you run a preliminary on Friday. And then you, if you make it to the final eight, you run again on Saturday. Mm. Well, anybody that's run the 400 knows that is like one of the most testing races there are. Okay. So I told my anchor guy, I said, basically there's 16 teams. All right. Eight in each heat, two different heats. I said, if we're in second place or better, I want you to cruise in. Because most of the time the winner automatically goes. And then it's the next six fastest time. He cruised in, and we made the finals by point oh oh eight seconds. Whoa! Talk about barely cutting it. I, and this this group of kids had worked together for five years. They weren't the most athletic kids, but they were. They put in the work, and I almost screwed it up for them. I puked three times that night, and then <laughs> and the next day. So we were in lane eight, and then the next day in eight, you're way out there in front. And I told Eli, my youngest, I said, I want you to be so far out in front. Because you're going to look like you're in front of that one. He cruised the day before he ran like a 50. That day he ran like a 47. And I'll never forget him. And you know, that's that's four 12-second hundreds. Wow. I, I couldn't even yeah. run a 12. You know, and I yeah. was fat. But I will just never forget him come around that corner. And the cool thing, his mother was sitting there praying. It, it was just a, and had her hand by her head. And it reminded me of like another guy who was uh, John Gillum, who was like my best friend's dad. It was another, it was just like everything fell. It was like nice to see work actually pay off. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. And th- there was another group of eighth graders that I coached in football. They'd never won a game. They were awful. And I just made to myself, hey, I normally coach freshmen. I'm like, these kids are going to win a football game. And I remember when we won up at Willow, and I just remember tears coming down their face. And that was like, that was a great moment. Yeah. There, were, there were so many good moments coaching. That it just, it, it, but it was always about, and there were other times when just an average, everyday, normal kid did something great. You know, and because we had at West Plains what we call candy stripes. And this kid named Damian Richardson, I'll never forget it. He was an average athlete. Worked his butt off all year. I'm like, I'm going to put you on the four by one. And Dixon was like, are you sure? And I'm like, I am. Those dudes, not only did they, they candy stripe that day, but they broke the record. It was just, everything fell into play. Yeah. And to this day, that's one of that kid's favorite memories. Oh, I was guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. And, and no matter who, we, we didn't care what your athletic experience or effort was. Not, not How about this? What your athletic skill was. If you could make it through practice. You were on the team. Yeah. You know, and in yeah. track, that was good. Now, football, what I learned in football was you, you really couldn't do that because I had a kid named Valdivia's, fastest kid I've ever coached in football, and I put him on kickoff return, but I'd put my second, third team for blocking. I'd say, you better run as fast as you can because nobody's blocking for you. Because, I mean, these were kids that wanted right. to play. And about the third game of the year, he really didn't have anybody blocking for him, and he got a concussion. Oh. And I learned after that with football. Football is not a sport yeah. where you can put people in just because playing time. But sure. with track, I always let him in there. Stuff. Yeah. So, what ways were you able to represent Christ as a coach on either any sport? Uh, well, basically just teaching kids that someone cares about. Yeah. And I remember, like, before going to a state track meet one time, I said, listen in the crowd because the state track meet there's 9,000 people there 
I said, you'll hear your grandma. You'll hear your grandpa. Yes. You'll hear your mom and dad. And one kid said, coach, I don't have anybody. And I was like, you'll hear me. Yeah. You know? And it was just so for those kids knowing that they had somebody. That there was somebody that really did care. And, and we yeah. prayed before every football game or every track meet. And I remember one time somebody said, well, don't you worry about getting in trouble with the school board? And I said, I would much rather get a scolding from the school board than be in front of my maker on Judgment Day. And you said, bet. I was afraid of the school board. Yeah. yeah. And, and one of my favorite memories, we always had the Lord's Prayer and I'd have somebody else lead it. One day this kid was like, our father who art in heaven. And then you saw the eyes roll up, and he said, "May the race be for the swift." <laughs> I was just like, "Keep going." <laughs> Prayer's a prayer. Prayer's you a betcha. Prayer. Yeah, there's no really no wrong way to pray. Amen. You know, that's as long as you're praying sincere and from the heart. That's the right way. Yeah, and, and how many times too at church? I mean, you got to put your hands together. You got to close. Yeah, your there's eyes. too much religion in our prayers. Very <laughs> yeah. oh, so. And I always said to people talk about religion in school. I said as long as there's testing in schools, there will always be prayer in school. Yes, because <laughs> yes. people are praying, praying to pass that test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm sure you've worked with some really great athletes, but outside of just their giftings, what sets athletes apart? work ethic how much they want it and i've always said this i would rather coach an average kid who gave it everything than a kid with a lot of skills who didn't get much effort and really as a coach what you learn is that's your job to bring out the best in everybody yeah because everybody's motivated differently it's easier as a coach i find it easier as a coach to, to coach that kid he may not be the greatest athlete but he wants to be. Hey, hey. You know, that's that to me, that makes my job easy. If, if somebody wants to be a great athlete, that's easy to coach. And, and they will work to do things. And, the, and that cool thing about like cross country and track, you can actually work to make yourself better. You know, football and basketball, you've got a skill set. And if you can't walk and chew gum, it's probably not happening. Right. But cross country and track, you can make yourself better just by working harder. Well, yeah. I, I remember the first time I went in the cross country locker room saw a t-shirt said thousand mile club and i'm like well that's kind of cool do you run like 200 miles your freshman year and then 300 so they're like coach that's a summer and i said you run a thousand miles and they average 12 miles a day oh and man. just by putting the work in yeah. made them that much better wow yeah well travis tell us about the family man travis smith been, been married karen i'm really proud of my wife and my son both sons have worked down here at twin bridges for a long time my wife has worked down here and one of the most important things i've been married for 14 years i told her before i ran for this office i said you can be involved or less involved as you want to be because way too many times in politics that spouse gets thrown in they have oh. to, and they just get burnt out. Yes. And so I, but what Karen has been really good is like when I'm away at Jefferson City, she'll go to the volunteer fire department or she'll go to the church meet. So she's a really, right. she's a really good. She's a behind lady. the scenes yeah. first lady. Yeah. But yes. no, and, but I meant, but when she needs to be somewhere, she'll be she there. Does. So, yes. And when what's really strange for us is we don't do many events together. Because when we do, everybody comes up and starts talking to me, and then she's sitting there by herself. Right. And then I feel bad because I'm not giving my bride attention, you know. Yes. And so it's that double-edged sword and yes. stuff. So we, 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 that's my wife. She's like, she says the same thing. She doesn't like to go to any public event with me because of that same situation where she's left 
standing in the corner yes. holding the holding the plate well, or holding my plate for me yes. while I've got a line of people waiting to talk to me. Yeah, and every, yeah. and everybody needs something. You know, and that's yeah. and you, you you've got that's our that's our job, Brad. Is that's what yeah. we ran for so people come up to us. But it, it's tough on a relationship. But I'm really proud of what she's done. And you know, we have four kids and some people like, well, Spencer isn't, isn't. I'm like, yes, he is. He, I hate. I don't say terms like stepsons or stepdaughters. Right. They're my kids. Yeah. You know, and we all live together, and it was like blended household, and it, it, we just made it work. Yes. And they yeah. fought with each other, just like <laughs> just brothers. Like brothers. Yes. They're brothers. I, I yeah. knew that. I knew. I knew we we're gonna make it the first time I heard my boys can go fight with each other. I was like, <laughs> we're gonna be okay. We're gonna be okay. Well, so how much work and dedication does it take? to keep a healthy relationship and be in Jefferson City for over half the year? Well, first of all, I talk to her on the phone every day, okay? Start off the morning calling saying, I hope you have a good day, I'm gonna miss you, and then talk to her before I go to bed at night too. Yeah. Because it, Jefferson City, and see, I, I'm older now, but there's a lot of people who go up there and there are so many opportunities to be out late at night and stuff. I pride myself being in bed by nine o'clock. <laughs> my, my roommate is your age and he's like, why do you always go to bed so early? And I'm like, because we got to get up early. You yeah. know, so they, so and we I get to come home on the weekends, which is really nice. And then what we do is sometimes she'll just come up and spend the night or something. Yeah. And we'll go out to dinner and get away from the crowds. Sure. Stuff too. So, but it's all about communication. You, you still that's still got to be a priority, right? You still oh, have to make your wife a priority. No, mo most important priority. And the good thing about my wife too is we've never been where like we have to know what the other one's doing all the time. Right. As a matter of fact, I met that first session in Jeff City. My wife became one of the most organized people in the world because she didn't have to deal with me. <laughs> she wasn't cleaning up my stuff. Right. And I get back. She didn't have like, nothing else to do. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the house is like everything's labeled in the cabinets. And she was like, when do you go back? <laughs> you know, because she was getting stuff that's, done. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's how it was. When I worked in the wool field for a couple of years and, and I, would, I was gone for three weeks and home for one week. And it was all, it was the greatest situation ever because she was happy to see me, but she was also so happy to see me go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and it, and that's that's what then that's that's important, you know. And, and it, there has to be a trust factor. Yes, too. yeah, for that sure. You're not yes. you're not going to go out on the oil field. I'm not going to go out and mess around and all no. that. And and once you get to that stage where the jealousy's gone, man, life is a piece of cake. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's so much better. You know? I think my wife's just come to the conclusion I'm not as great as Kits as she once thought I was. <laughs> nah, <laughs> you guys have some great videos. So I like the way I you like dance. the aggravator. Yeah. yeah. So what, what motivates you? What is it that makes you get up and go stand on the house floor and, and deal with all that craziness? I, I know that this is not a forever deal. It's very temporary. I don't have so much time to be there, and I want to do everything I can in that time to leave my mark. And because, like, like I said earlier, they don't say our names up there. The truth of the matter is, you can be the greatest leader in the world. They've got a picture of every person that was ever speaker of the house. None of us could walk up and tell you more than two of those people's names. Yeah, because it, it just—it's probably the last two. Yeah, that's <laughs> the most it. Recent, because you yeah. knew who they were. Yeah, you don't know, and you—you you, most of them. I, I look at pictures like that, and I think about wonder what he did. You know, yeah. I, I wonder what motivated him to do that stuff. Yes. But, but once you realize that you only have so much limited time, like I talk to my wife all the time about ideas for my funeral and stuff. And she's like, that's morbid. And I said, I'm going to die. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, yeah. If, if you plan for those things. If the Lord tarries, we're all going to die. That's it. Yeah. That's it.
Well, let's switch gears a little, okay. Travis. Let's talk about Jesus. Good. What's your favorite Bible verse? Well, there, there's one I can't quote verbatim, but, you know, basically in Mark it says somewhere about not losing your soul to gain worldly possessions. Yes. And, and that happens in our profession a lot. Oh, yeah. people, people get lofty. They start thinking, hey, I'm bigger than this. I'm above this. And But my favorite book has always been Ecclesiastics because Solomon was just basically saying, there is nothing that's going on today that hasn't happened before. Yes. And attitude is the only thing we have any control over in this life. And, and once you realize that instead of, oh, woe is me, and this has happened, I had, a, I had a great quote hanging on my wall with all the picture of my ancestors, and it said, to acknowledge our ancestors means we realize that we did not make ourselves, that mm. the line stretches all the way back to God. To acknowledge such things means that we're aware we're not the first to die, to cry, to suffer. The grace which we embrace life is all a measure of what's going on before. And that was a very fancy way of saying suck it up because there's nothing that's happened to you that hadn't happened to somewhere else. Yes. And my, my father, God bless his heart, he was an alcoholic. He realized that. He got help when I was 15. You know, and it was funny because years later, people always like, how did that affect you? And I'm like, it doesn't matter anymore because he said he was sorry and he meant it with his heart. Right. And, and, and I, I forgave him. And yeah. it was because he never did again. My kids never saw my dad touch drop of booze. And so to him, he was, he was like the greatest dude ever. Yeah. I had some tough memories, but he what he what he said, he, I'll never forget. He goes, there's always two people better off, two people worse off than you. So yeah. don't when things are going right, remember half of that's chance. And he goes, when things are going wrong, somebody else has a bad too. Yes, so, that's right. And he, my favorite thing he said was, you don't make mistakes, you take a mistake and make it right. Well, that's good. Yeah, and just yeah. you fix it, fix yeah. it and stuff. He, he, he used to always make fun of me too because like, he was like a, you talked about him being a dentist. He was a really smart dude. He would never be critical of me, but like he would say stuff like, Travis, you're a slow thinker. And I'm like, <laughs> what is that? Wait, what? Man, no. I know. He goes, yeah. He goes, see? And I said, what's that mean? He goes, well, just think about it. If you were a coon dog, you'd see one at six and thank the bark at eight. <laughs> and he wasn't being mean, but what his advice was, he goes, always surround yourself with people who know what they're doing. Let them do their job and you'll have so little stress, you know, because you know those A-type personalities. I've got, if I want this done right, I've got to do it. Yes, and I struggle with that. And, and yeah. somebody, and that there's nothing wrong with that, but there's also times when you've got to let stuff go. Yeah. It, because at, well, it's, in my case, there's too much. I can't do it. You, you, you know, you, it. I just, I literally have no other choice but to rely on other people. On, on some of the yeah. people. But, but on that same thing with that management skill, you can't get to a place where you just, I don't want to do it because I'm lazy. Yeah. You know, people need right. to know that you can do that job. Because I've done that before as a manager, as a coach, when someone says, you do it. I'm like, okay, get yeah. out of here. Because yeah. then when they see you do it, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, so leadership by example. For sure. Well, Travis, thank you so much for taking time with us to talk to us today and giving us a little insight on some things that most of us wouldn't even imagine. Missouri's 155th District State Representative, Travis Smith. That's going to be a wrap of today's show of Faith, Family, and Sports. Subscribe, like, follow, find us on Facebook, and like our page there too. Watch for our next episode next week. Our goal is going to continue to be to publish an episode every Friday, and we're going to do our very best to continue to get good guests 
that will give us a Christian perspective on family and sports. Until next time, I'm Brad Loveless. Be blessed and live like Jesus is coming tomorrow. He just might. Amen.